0: Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. I hope that all of you guys have been enjoying this devoted series that we've been doing here at Impact Over Influence. You know, it's centered around the book of James, and today we're going to be in James chapter 3. And even though chapter 3, y'all, it's only 17 verses, so it's nothing extensive, but it comes with a lot of power um, that I think really is so... Every single one of us can incorporate this. Every single one of us. Nobody is exempt today that's listening of saying like, ah, that really doesn't apply to me. It applies to you. But the way that it opens, it talks about teachers. And so I ask you, even if you don't, if you send your kid to school, you drop them off in the morning, they go to their teachers. Are they the only person in your child's life that teaches them something? As in any kind of knowledge that they ever gain, even from the time they're infants, you know, how to hold the spoon how to chew food versus how to cook, okay? Those things aren't just taught by their education, right, at school that they go to for hours in a day. They're taught things by coaches. They're taught things by Sunday school teachers. They're taught things by their friends. They're taught things by their friends' parents. They're taught things by you as a parent. You see, teachers in this world aren't just the ones that have that on their occupation whenever they sign up for something, right? Right? Teachers, the word teacher applies to so many of us, you know, and the Holy Spirit gives us the gift to be able to teach. And so I just want for everyone to understand before we even kick off today, what teaching is, what education is. So I found this quote and it says, education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. You see, education isn't meant to just be something that we hold on to, that we're being filled up with. Instead, it's meant to kindle something in us that produces a flame, that produces heat, that produces something, okay? Word of God is the exact same way, guys. The more that we know, the more we're able to implement in our lives. The fact that you're listening today makes me know that you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to mature. The whole book of James has been talking about maturity. We know that. Sometimes it's like, man, you know, as an adult, and like when it comes to paying bills, you're like, man, I just remember what it was like to be able to sleep till 11 o'clock and eat all my mom's food. You know, and then when you become an adult, you're like, okay, I don't have food unless I go to work. You see, that's the maturity. That's the maturity of saying, okay, my action is the only thing that makes me capable of reaping a reward. We all want to go back to the days of manna to where we could sit and God just provide us with the minimal to keep us alive. But now we're going into the promised land and we're like, okay, what is it, Lord? Because you have it all in abundance. Scripture tells us that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. But us today listening and, and being a part of this entire Devoted series is we want to be devoted. We want to reap a harvest, but we also want to put in the work. So the second quote I want to read to you today is by Nelson Mandela. I got to doing some research on this guy. He's a South African leader, super intelligent guys, like full of humility, Christian, just excellent whenever it came to just lines that come with the punch, you know. Wanting the best, not just for South Africa, but for the entire world. Like this guy was the real deal. And he says this, education is the most powerful weapon which can be used to change the world. Guys, what you know and how you're educated can change the entire environment around you. Changes every aspect of your life. But ignorance is darkness. Ignorance is from the devil. The devil doesn't want for you to know anything, especially about scripture especially about the power of the Holy Spirit, especially about the word of God, especially about the G- with the salvation that Jesus provides. He does not, he wants for you to be ignorant to the fact he wants you to think that you're doing good enough. You're not as bad as so-and-so, right? But you see, the more that we know education, the more knowledge that we gain, we know in James chapter one, when we started this entire series, it says, if anyone asks for wisdom, it will be handed to them without reproach. Okay. God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you discernment and clarity. And so throughout these verses today, we're going to really talk about that. James 3, verses 1 and 2, I'm going to go ahead and read it. This talks about teachers. I already said, every single one of y'all teaching somebody something. Okay, that, you know, and I think that whenever it makes me think of that about the whole impact over influence, you know, whenever God designed all of this and laid all this on my heart, you know, he just said like everybody influences something, but nobody's given the impact of Jesus if they're not seeking me to be able to do so. And I didn't want to just influence my my family and my friends and my community. I wanted to give them an impact, which is Christ. How do I give that to them? By my actions, by my deeds, by my works, by what comes out of my mouth. We're going to get there, though. Okay. Three verse one. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You will be judged based off of how you influence somebody. We can take that, and we know that he's talking about teachers of the Word of God, which is very true, very true. And it even made me think about the teachers that we have to this day. He says not everyone should become a teacher because the lives of teachers will be judged. You ever thought about that? Like, oh, you know, think about your school teachers. And they get the school teacher version of somebody. Your kids do. But then when they see them out in public, does that, is it like, oh, she told us not to do this, but yet we see her that. And I, I that doesn't just mean God's judging you more strictly, because it definitely does, but people will judge you more strictly. Do you do what you say you'll do? God tells us right here that that God holds teachers of the gospel to a higher standard. You can't do the things that you see other people doing and think that you're not going to have a different consequence. You will be judged more strictly. God sets us apart. Teachers of a class are judged by the grades of their student. I want to talk to you about that, too, because uh, I do. I struggle with this, I think, because I can think that I'm responsible for the actions of the people that come to Bible study. And I'm not. I'm not. You know, as a parent, we know that when our kids act a certain way, who do you judge? The parent. The parent. You judge the parent, and I can guarantee you that I've done so many things in my life that my parents were not responsible for. My whole entire testimony, I guarantee you, was not taught to me by my parents, okay? If anything, they did the absolute opposite of it to where I was naive of most things that then I found enjoyment in, which was sin, and we're not even going to get into that. But at the same time, what we're saying here is, Teachers are held to a standard. So your kids, they, we have standardized tests here in Texas, okay? So whenever you get to a certain grade level, we have a test that all the students takes. And based off of those scores, the teacher is judged. What are they knowing? Are, are, they, are they, what do their scores look like with math? Is the teacher even teaching it? The way, that the reading levels, what is the teacher doing? You see, the grades of the student and their performance is how the teacher is judged. That's the evidence, right? What kind of knowledge are they gaining? What, are they, what do they know how to do? How are they performing? Is who's teaching them. And I want to tell you, as a Christian, you have the greatest teacher, Jesus Christ. Knowing that we are disciples of him, we are followers of him as a teacher. We are the students. I am a student. You are a student. We're in this thing together. I'm not teaching you anything about the gospel. All I'm doing is sitting in the classroom with you right now, Okay. We have him as a teacher. So if, if we're not gaining the information, if we're not living it, it's not his fault. It's what are we, what are we not taking a hold of? But whenever he talks about this, he talks about just teachers being held to a different standard. Know that if you're a Sunday school teacher or you're a youth leader or you're a preacher or a pastor or a women's Bible study leader, whatever you're doing, if it has to do with a gospel tag, you are judged more strictly. You are but I also want Fred to have every single person that doesn't teach the Word of God to know they are still held to a standard of teaching because you have an influence in this world. You're teaching habits. You're teaching disciplines. You're teaching actions. That's the importance of this. And so what James follows up here in verse 2 is very um, exciting to most of us. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never never fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I love that after he says you're going to be judged more strictly, he also says we all stumble. He doesn't say you all stumble. He says, look, no matter what teacher you are, like I know, and I've said this before, like there's going to be a day where I look back on certain podcast episodes and I'm like, ooh, yeah, I had that wrong. I need to clean that up. I pray for, for the Holy Spirit to use me. And then if there's anything that you guys hear on this podcast or YouTube channel that you find fault in to know that it's me and my flesh, it's not the Spirit's fault. It's just something that I, I may not have known or that I, that I said wrong. But when James says that right there, it just kind of edifies me to know we all stumble. None of us are perfect. And why? Because of what we say. So let's get into that. Okay. I started doing some research on teaching what makes a good teacher. Um, we've been talking a lot about education around our household and just uh, what that looks like to us. And so I just got to thinking, like, not just earthly teachers, worldly teachers, Bible teachers, whatever, but teachers in general, all of us. That are, are wanting to further information and guidance to somebody else. Okay, James right here says anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So he's saying what you say, the words that come out of your mouth, they matter. And if you can be perfect, means you can keep your keep it reined in all the time. None of us are capable of that, right? Because none of us are able to be perfect. Only Jesus was. So he's just putting us all in the same field, and you know. What we say can either further the gospel or it can distort the gospel, okay? If you're somebody that wants to give Jesus, but you're doing it with anger and wrath and condemnation, that is not it, guys, because God is love. But at the same time, he comes to us with urgency and conviction, not condemnation. But it reminds me like the people that yell like, Jesus, you know, and they got the picketing signs and they're angry and they're like, you're going to hell. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about, and it reminds me of one of my friends. She actually works at CareNet, and um, you know, just the love that instead of saying like you're gonna, d- you're a murderer, and you're getting an abortion, and you're this. What if Christians instead of had these picketing signs saying that God hates you? in a sense, because that's what they're feeling. Whether you're saying God hates you or not, it doesn't matter. Someone that's having that come to them and the guilt and the shame and the whole reason why they're there anyways, you think they want to go and present themselves to a God that's going to wrap his arms around them and love them? Do you think that that's really the image that's being portrayed? Or what if we were on the outside of the door saying, hey, look, we know what you've done, but Jesus died for it too. What if we did have that approach? Is what we say furthering the gospel or distorting it? We, we want to we tell people about repentance. Why? Because of grace. Not have them think that God is on this throne with wrath and anger, but instead to do what we read last week in Hebrews, to approach the throne with confidence because you will receive mercy. Not based off anything that you deserve, but because he could punish you and he didn't. He took on your punishment. That's what Jesus said on the cross. So when it comes to our mouth, let's talk about that. Back to my whole Googling and researching everything about a good teacher, I want to name to you, there's um, nine things, and they totally align with the Word of God, in my opinion. So the first one is expert communication skills. The second one is superior listening skills, deep knowledge and passion for their subject matter, the ability to build caring relationships with their students, friendliness and approachability, excellent preparation and organization skills. Strong work ethic, community building skills, and high expectations for all. A good teacher is these things. A good teacher has passion for what they're bringing to the class. They're able to be approachable so that they can maintain relationships. To be able to keep giving knowledge and people coming back to want more. They have expectations to say, I know that you can get this. Whatever I'm teaching you, I expect and I know that you're capable strong work ethic, and it talks about preparation and organization skills, being prepared, not just winging it and being messy and thinking people are actually going to be able to gain something, but, but knowing and doing your job, being diligent, having that character. But the first two have to do with communication. Number one, communicating. I'm not just talking about verbally. I'm talking about your demeanor. Does, does your body expressions communicate? How are they communicating? Do you have a RBF, for lack of a better word. Like, are you all, of, all of, always with this stern, serious, grouchy face? Or are you pleasant and wide-eyed and, and smiling? What is your communication? Not just it comes out of your mouth, but with your with your body, with your actions. And the second one is the way that you listen. Are you always talking and teaching? Or are you able to listen to see what people are receiving? How are, How are your students interpreting it? your audience, whoever it is. So when James is talking here, it really uh, aligns with that because he first off starts right here. Verses three through six, it talks about the mouth. Okay, back to the communication. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell. How can something so small make so much of a mess? Do any of you understand that the... the, influence and the impact even that your mouth can have are we are we speaking life or are we speaking death what how can something so small totally it doesn't matter what all you do if what you say doesn't align with it it's you just jacked it up you just jacked it up so when it comes to being a teacher what he's saying here is it doesn't matter if you're wanting anyone to see jesus in you so that they can ask you about him you better watch what you say You better watch what you say, because something so small can cause so much destruction. But we all stumble, and I'm thankful for the grace of that. But those nine things, I just want for us to know that they are important, not just for teachers, but for every single one of us. This theory just aligns so much with these scriptures. In verse 7, he also talks about all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Okay. Man has tamed animals is what he's saying. But you know what? Man can't tame the tongue. And all it takes is one time. You know, I have a good friend of mine and she is so knowledgeable about scripture and the Bible, but she says like, until I know how to communicate, I don't want to say anything. And I just, when she said that, I just thought, man, I need to be way more hesitant. But she's convicted to know, like, until I can, my mouth aligns with what it's supposed to, I don't want to say anything at all. For me, what changed my actions and my speech and the way that I talk is teaching the Word of God. It's what made me learn it. It's what made me want to implement it. It's what made me understand the severity of it. Even to teach that to my children. You know, me and Wesley fall in a lot of ways, but I just, to know that we can be different about what we say, are we quick to be argumentative? Are we quick to boast? Are we quick to gossip? Are we quick to say rude things to to other people? Our mouth, how can it be tamed? I don't know. He says right here that it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's tough. Blessings and curses. Let's get to that. I've got some verses in Ephesians I want to incorporate with that. But okay, back to James 3.9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. My dear brothers, this should not be, is what he says. You can't say one thing and pray blessings, but then curse God's creation. You can't praise the Creator, yet speak evil to what He created. That's what he's saying. So I want to read real quick, because um, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You're saying one thing and you're doing another. That's what James is trying to tell us. I want to read Ephesians 4.29 real quick. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Speak. if you. It goes, you know How many times have our moms or grandmas or teachers, whoever, if you can't say anything nice and don't say anything at all, that's what, you know, you think that's just a quote no, and all that scripture that came from the Holy One saying, look, if you can't say anything that's going to build up somebody, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Just because everyone sees it, they don't need you saying it. They don't need you saying it. I think that we all struggle with that because we're, we're like, look at this, look at this. But God says, look, if it's not going to build up somebody, if it's not going to show grace, don't even let it come out of your mouth. Watch it. Watch what you say. He also ends this before we get back into wisdom. It says, can fresh water and salt water come from the same stream? You know, he's just saying you can't have both. You can't speak speak blessings and also speak curses. I pray that all of us take time to look at our mouths. You know, do you throw the F-bomb all the time? Are you trashing everybody? Or are you edifying? Are you building something up? Are you having wholesome talk come out of your mouth? Are you speaking scripture? Are you praying out loud? What's your communication with others look like? But more than that, what does your communication with God look like? That's what he's saying here, especially teachers, which is every single one of us. I think I've made that clear by now. Now let's get into the second part of this chapter. He talks about two different kinds of wisdom. He talks about the things that you know, your knowledge, your wisdom. It's expressed two different ways, but It all centers around your actions, the way that you act. The way that you act shows your wisdom, shows what you're following. 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. How do you see someone's wisdom? By the deeds of their life, by their actions. But if you harbor bitter and envy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. This is pride. You're boasting. You're saying, I don't care who says what about me. This is the way I am. Selfish ambition, caring only about yourself. You don't care that somebody's offended right next to you. You don't. But I also want to ask you if this also applies to the person that sits in silence and they watch this kind of thing go on, but never stand up for the little guy. Maybe it's time you start asking for the confidence and the boldness that only Christ can give you and ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that sense of character. To say, I'm tired of sitting back and watching all this. I need to speak up for what's right. Why? Because that's how my wisdom is shown, by my actions. Otherwise, if you're sitting in the corner not doing nothing, does that show wisdom? Because even though you're not saying yes, you're sure not saying no. That's what James is trying to get us to evaluate in ourselves. 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. You see, our world sees strength as and air as arrogance. And, but what he's saying is the people that look weak, it's just because they're submissive and they're peace loving. They don't want to cause discord. And I'm not trying to have that show be controversial to what I said earlier about just being so passive, being submissive to God and being passive to the world is not the same thing. God's trying to ask us to be a generation that's ready to step up for the gospel but the only way we step up is by what? Our actions. You can say it all you want to, but if your actions don't show that your wisdom comes from God, how does your wisdom come from God? By the way it is. Is it peace loving? Consider it submissive and full of mercy. That's the way we have to evaluate ourselves. I want to read Matthew eleven nineteen 19 real quick. He says right here that wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Wisdom is proved right by our actions. If if you don't have it, if you don't have the evidence of that, then you do not have the wisdom that God's given to us. Wisdom is only shown by how we live, y'all. Because other people can't look into your mind to see if you know all the scripture. They see if you're living all the scripture. Even if they don't even know, that's the thing about it, guys. Like living life as a Christian, everything James is trying to tell us by the way you act, the way you act, the way you act. Let's mature. Christianity matures by by what the example that you're giving. And so what he's saying is, it's just like it doesn't it doesn't matter. We 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 think that it, it matters everything that we know, but if we don't profess it by the by our actions and the way that we live, it goes void. People can't see y'all, and even if they don't know the gifts of the spirit. Or the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Even if they don't know that, a, you, those fruits are a good person. You can tell, oh, that's she's a good girl. She's a, that's a great guy. Why? Because they see the gentleness and the kindness and the love and the joy. Even if you don't know anything about scripture, you, we know that. We're taught that. Right? Being peace, Peaceful. But he also says, I just want to go back to 14, 15, and 16. It says that bitterness and selfishness. Bitterness, what is that? A scowl on your face. A chip on your shoulder. That's bitterness. Where does that come from? Satan. Selfishness. Always looking out for yourself. Always feel like everybody's out to get you. Always feel like you got to take care of your own. Do you? Selfishness comes from Satan. Satan. That's the wisdom that you're gaining is wisdom from Satan, not wisdom from God. Being considerate, that's, that's wisdom from heaven. I want to end real quick with uh, verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemaker. Being a peacemaker. How do we make peace though? We make peace. To me, making peace doesn't mean trying to go and reconcile all the bad that I've ever done. But if, it, if I am being approached by something, being humble enough to say, Yes, I messed up. Will you forgive me? That's being a peacemaker. God's not asking you to go and try to reverse all the bad that you've ever done. He's just saying that by now you have repented to where you don't do that anymore. Making peace with yourself. How about that? Making peace with others that you know you wronged, even though you know that they may not receive you back, that's okay. Because you've been reconciled with your father. I want to plug in Luke six thirty-seven through 38 here. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you not will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. You reap what you sow, in other words. If you're giving out condemnation, you're going to be condemned. And even if others aren't condemning you, you're, you're feeling condemned. God's condemning you, you know? Like, that's what he's trying to say is like, I haven't condemned you. I paid for your sin. Why can't you understand that? And receive that. So that then what? You're able to give out the grace that you know you've been given. Don't judge and you won't be judged. That this goes to the whole deal of like, my kid would never. Okay. Like we all know not to say that, right? Understand that God's given you grace for all the things. All the things that you've done. All the things that you've said. All the days that you did not have your tongue bridled. And you were praying blessings, but yet you were cursing creation. So to sum this all up, y'all, our actions matter, especially for us to want to be spiritually mature, for us to want to press more into God and receive those blessings here on earth. Our actions matter. Our actions are the evidence that we're believers. Going back to the whole, you know, making peace, being a peacemaker. A peacemaker is different than a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper is someone who sits back and they just keep the peace and they see all the evil, but they feel like they're keeping the peace. A peacemaker is standing up and saying, look, this is wrong. This is wrong. A peacemaker is going out of their way to make peace. A peacemaker is standing up and saying something. A peacemaker is loving the unlovable. The peacemaker is the one that gives, even though they don't know if they're going to get. That's a peacemaker. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And in in him and him and us, we're able to have that same evidence in our life. Where your knowledge comes from, your actions follow. Where your knowledge comes from, your actions follow. You have a knowledge of the Bible, makes your actions follow and replicate his commands. But if your wisdom is coming from the evil one, telling you what to do, and he's, he's the one operating your ship, remember? He's the one guiding you, the one that you're submitting to. Your actions are going to reflect evil actions. They're going to reflect sin. Whether you think it's a big deal or not, God sees it as a big deal. Why? Because it's hindering your walk. It's hindering your calling. It's hindering your testimony and your witness. Our actions matter. So I ask you to end this podcast, what do your actions look like? How how, how do your actions, who do they, do they say that you have wisdom from, from who? And to bring it back to how we open, what's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? That's the reflection of it. It's not me. It's God's word saying what we got to do, how we got to do it, y'all. And he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That if we'll just submit to him, these things become easier. Habits become easier. We're capable of doing it. I want for you to be encouraged and excited that God wants a better life for you. He wants to further you. He wants to press into you. He wants to direct you and and prosper you. He just wants to give us these guidelines. And just like James says, just get it now. Now it's time. Now it's time that we gain understanding. I pray that if this podcast has resonated with you or if you know of anyone else, that it would help and encourage and enlighten that you would send it to them. Um, If you guys want access to this worksheet and all of these scriptures and questions, um, just email me. Shelly at impactoverinfluence.org Reach out on Facebook or Instagram And I will email it on over to you And get it to you guys I pray that you have a great rest of your week And that you choose to gain wisdom From the Holy One, Jesus Christ See you next time